Hi, my name is Natalia Nogolich. I played Admiral Alina Necheyev in Star Trek Next Generation and DS9. I'm talking with Women at Warp. Stay tuned. Hi. Welcome to <laughs> Women at Warp. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on a special once-in-a-year mission adventure. to Star Trek Las Vegas. This is Jera. I am here with co-host Andy. Hi. And Grace. It's great to be here. And Sue. I feel strange, but also good. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here at Star Trek Las Vegas. This is our last night. It is Sunday evening of the convention. We have had a really exciting week, and we wanted to share some of those highlights with you. Let's start with Sue. What was your highlight for this week? Oh, my gosh. Um, possibly being stopped in the hallway when we were wearing our A Woman's Places on the Bridge shirts uh, by some fans who wanted to take a picture. But then up comes Terry Farrell and also asked to take a picture. And then a few minutes later, we find out that we are now her pinned tweet and her Twitter cover photo. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, but there was also some fantastic cosplay. We got to talk to some amazing, amazing people, fans and actors alike, including uh, Nichelle Nichols coming oh. up. <laughs> but it was just it was one really cool thing after another. How about you, Grace? The fans really were what made this entire event for me. We saw some fantastic cosplay. We saw Ruth Bader Q. Yes. We saw an Iconian wandering around. We saw the two... Damn it, what are they from the pilot of TNG? The jellyfish. The jellyfish space station people. They were Thanks. Great. They they were beautiful. They I, lit up. I liked the uh, crystalline entity that we saw today. Oh, with the little ships in it. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, it was great. And we also got to see some beautiful, amazing artwork in the 50 Artists 50 Years exhibit, which was pretty much a small art gallery showcasing artists who enjoy Star Trek and wanted to express it in different work. And we got to see both some incredible pop art and some really technically amazing classical style art just related to Star Trek. It was really fantastic. Awesome. And Andy, what was the highlight for you? I have to say that the highlight was meeting everybody in person. Aww. Not just the crew, although that was amazing and dream come true. Yes, um, but first time meeting all together in person. All together, it? all four of us. And it was fun. But also just listeners and other podcasters and people that I consider friends but have never actually physically met. That was definitely very exciting. We also just came back from getting tattoos. Yeah. Woo. We're officially a girl gang now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I actually completely freaked out when I was getting my tattoo. I didn't think I would. And I sat down and he turned on the, the needle thing, whatever that is, and it started making that noise. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. And also no. And I ran away. Uh, but Sue, Sue coaxed me back and um, held my hand and helped In me. A stroke of genius. <laughs> <laughs> helped me re recite Ode to Spot, which, if anybody remembers Sue and I's original All Things Trek appearance, uh, Ode to Spot is very near and dear to both Sue and I. And um, I, I forgot a lot of the words when I was, you know, terrified and in pain. But we did still have a fun time reciting that and um, got me through. The tattoo artist at the end was like, thanks for not punching me in the face, because I guess that was a fear. And also, thanks for not passing out. <laughs> and also, a tattoo artist in the next stall over heard you guys chanting in rhyme and thought you were praying. <laughs> well, we kind of were. <laughs> spot. 
to spot our patron saint. The tattoo artists were also very sick of Star Trek today, so they had been forced to watch Star Trek VI on repeat and mute, mute and repeat, for like the last week. So, and they were not Star Trek fans, so like, we're so sick of this movie. <laughs> Again, though, as uh, as Andy's tattoo artist said, I haven't seen it, but uh, it looks pretty badass. <laughs> yeah. Question mark at the end there. But uh, me and Sue got infinite diversity and infinite combinations little logos on our ankles, and Andy got a Delta Shield on her wrist, and I think they look pretty cool. They're awesome. Yeah. So one of my highlights from this week, there were a lot, and definitely the Terry Farrell moment was so exciting. I made a screeching noise that should not be ever repeated. Uh, she seemed to th- find it pretty cute, though. <laughs> I, I jumped up and down a lot after. I was I played it cool while she was, you know, within, could see us. And then I was like, <laughs> oh my god! But actually, I've been at this convention for, this is my fourth year, and I've been on the Women in Star Trek panel for the last three years, which is a panel that was originally started by Mary Sarwinski, aka Televixen, on Twitter. And this year, for the first time, we were on the main stage, largely thanks to the work of Amy Imhoff, who's guested on our show previously. And we were not just on the main stage, we were on the main stage with Kate Mulgrew and B. Joe Trimble, and that was... So exciting. And the room was packed. And the room can hold 5,000 people. So that was really, really incredible. I woke up at like 4 in the morning that morning going, oh, it's today. Ah. And um, that kind of audience, though, numbers don't lie. No. And I mean, regardless of how it shows there is a huge demand for that or more programming about diversity and women in particular in Star Trek. So um, I thought that that was really important. I thought uh, that it was really, really cool to meet B. Joe Tremble in particular. And we actually did an interview with her that we're going to be sharing with you in an upcoming episode because it was quite lengthy with her and John Trimble. And it's fabulous. She came early to the backstage area and just chatted with us all as we were preparing. And she is such an amazing woman who's just really, you know, not afraid to speak her mind and... Uh, I'm looking forward to being able to share more of what she said. So she was there. Um, we just saw Kate like right before we went on. And there was a bit of an interesting discussion on stage about like what feminism means to different people. And like Kate Mulgrew is someone who doesn't really want to claim the label feminism. So I thought that Kayla Yacovino, who's also been our show, did a really amazing job talking about, you know, she also used to have some issues with the term. And here's why she doesn't now, because she thinks it's important. So it was just a really cool experience. It was amazing being on the main stage, being able to talk about women in Star Trek and to do it with the woman who played Captain Janeway and B. Joe Trimble, the super fan, one of the super fans who saved Star Trek. So definitely highlights for me. So let's maybe just take a quick sort of pass through the week and talk, think about some things that we did or saw So the first day that we were all here was Tuesday, but technically technically, we're going to call that technical. (laughs) So we're going to, I would say we were all here, here. (laughs) We were all here physically, but we were all jet lagged and exhausted. Yeah. So me and I went to the landing party and I won trivia with some people. Um, because I was the first people here. The landing party is a thing that's like jointly put on by Mission Log and Trek Movie and Trek Radio, I believe, and 
It was pretty fun. That was basically all that happened on Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday was more memorable. Uh, what do you guys all remember about Wednesday? I know it seems quite a ways away. I remember showing up and being just blown away by the giant Mac display and how huge yes. it was. Mac, it, uh, the makeup company Mac is putting out a Star Trek line and it's some really cool stuff. It's all very, uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It's very trendy. It's very metallic-y. It's very much paying tribute to the style and aesthetics of all the characters that are trying to emulate through the collection, though. And I was blown away by the spaceship set that they had for both to put on small skits with actors dressed up as the characters who the line were about, and just for, you know, the cosmetologists and, and makeup artists to do your makeup and show you how the products worked. They were all incredibly friendly. They were all so jazzed to be there. It was just a party. It was just a fun experience to be there. Yeah, Sue and I were extremely lucky that we happened to be there just as the Spock and Uhura cosplayers did the... Um, the scene where uh, Uhura from Charlie, from Charlie X, where Uhura sings to Spock and he plays his little Vulcan lute thing that I love so much. And they were amazing. And it was a wonderful thing to see. The thing that I like about the way that Mac came this year is that you really got the sense that this was not just some marketing ploy to them. You got the sense that they put thought and care into their lines. Um, their panels were also amazing, where they kind of described some of the inspirations between behind some of the, the new makeup they came out with. And it was just really interesting to see. And you really got the sense that it wasn't just about marketing for them, that they were actually really excited to be here. And their um, booth in the dealer's room was just the highlight. It was just the centerpiece of the whole room. And you really didn't have to deal um, from any of those makeup artists the Sephora snobbery, I believe they call it, of if you show up with a bare face, they'll be like, are you lost? Can I help you? Do, do you know that makeup is a thing? They were all very friendly. They were all very excited to show you how to use what products they were showing. They were all just so into it. It was amazing. Yeah, I do a lot of conventions. Um, <laughs> so the Wednesday was a little bit slow in terms of programming. Nothing really picked up until one o'clock. So it was really about getting the lay of the land because I haven't done this con before and I haven't done a creation convention in probably about 15 years. So it was nice to walk around before it got too crowded on the weekend to see where everything was laid out, to hang out at Quark's and the Roddenberry stage to go through the dealer's room and see what was there and see what we wanted to come back for at the end of the week for what was discounted. <laughs> <laughs> That's the su true secret to con. It is because right they don't, the problem is that it might sell in the meantime, but yeah, it was, it was a good first day of getting everybody acclimated. So just wanted to super quickly touch on the Mac thing because it, it's something that we talked about a bit in our Facebook group. And then there was the concern raised about animal testing. And just because I saw this on Twitter again today, I wanted to just sort of address this. This is like, I think we all bought something from the Mac booth. Their explanation, just for people who are interested, if that's an issue that's important to you, that they only do animal testing because the Chinese market requires it for so like the minimum amount that they're able to do in order to sell things in China. So it's up to you whether you want to continue to go with it with that um, knowledge. But certainly it was an impressive show. I'm curious, uh, what did you guys end up getting or being really tempted by in the vendor's room? Myself, I came back with a couple action figures, uh, but I'm probably proudest of two things. First of all, today, when stuff was on sale, I got 
I think four of Leonard Nimoy's vinyl albums. Uh, I have a record player, uh, including Leonard Nimoy's The Two Faces of Spock or Two, two Sides. The two Sides of Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, sorry. The Two Sides <laughs> of Leonard Nimoy and has like one is his human face and profile and one is like the Spock face and profile, um, which features his song Highly Illogical. And, uh, Illogical song by Supertramp. No. What? And also Mr. Spock's songs from Outer Space. Uh, outer space, inner mind, <laughs> and something about how I'm, how I feel or the way I feel. Yeah. By the zombies? <laughs> no. All by Leonard Nimoy, Grace. And <laughs> then they had some of the other albums there that him and, and Shatner had been on. I was just more interested in these ones. But, um, I also, Renee Aubergenois was doing a charity fundraiser where you could donate money and he would draw you an Odo bucket and sign it. And he would make the Odo bucket with like a thought bubble that, that he's thinking of a name of your choosing. And the fundraiser was for Doctors Without Borders. And so I paid for an Odo bucket thinking about my cat named Odo. So that was that was probably what I'm most looking forward to taking home. So what about you? We'll go in the other order. Sue. Well, there are a few things I picked up. I try not to buy a lot of memorabilia because I don't have a ton of space and I'm kind of anti-clutter. But I did find a super cute little, um, it's not a Funko Pop, but a vinyl figure of Uhura. That was great. And I that was that was my my break the rule. I bought that the first day because I didn't want it to sell out. And uh, what else did I pick up? I found today some rank pins for some future cosplay. And I think my favorite has been uh, something I just happened across on the Roddenberry table. You know, they're selling a lot of, of behind the scenes stuff. And there were some books there. And there was this book signed by Majel Barrett in a pile of books for $5 each. And when they told me $5... I said, yes, please. And that was all there was to it. So since it is signed to Brenda, you can now call me Brenda. And Grace? Um, well, one that I was really excited to check out was the IDW booth. I'm a big fan of their comics, a big fan of what they've been doing with their um, licensed series with Transformers and Gem and the Holograms, and also with Transformers. They've got some really fun young adult titles that they're putting out right now that I really wanted to pick up for some of the younger readers in my life. And also, they had these really fun classic edition, uh, hardcover classic editions of classic Star Trek comics, which are just the kitschiest thing imaginable. And <sighs> the lover of camp in me could not resist. Also, I wanted to catch up on some of the JJ Verse comics, you know, for funsies. Also, I, also, I got a Martia action figure from the Undiscovered Country. Because I wanted something to keep my David Bowie action figures company. <laughs> Yay. What about you, Andy? I actually am not a huge fan of, like, action figures and stuff like that. Not so into that sort of stuff. So I didn't actually pick up a whole lot from the dealer's room. I did pick up uh, a signed script of Journey to Babel, signed by DC Fontana. And we kind of freaked out about that. That was amazing. Uh, I also Another case where it was just in a pile of things on a table. It was pretty damn cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that was probably my most exciting find. I also bought one of the Anovos Beyond dresses, which were gorgeous. Um, unfortunately, they weren't letting you take them away. You know, they had to have them shipped to you. Um, so that was unfortunate because I would have loved to 
wear them, but Grace and I have Geek Girl Con coming up, so I'll wear it there. Um, I also got a um, engineering t-shirt dress from the Roddenberry table, which was pretty cool. Super cute. Super cute. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of cool stuff on display. Uh, we had a good time perusing it. Definitely. There was something for everyone there. Cool. So Thursday was definitely a bit more of a busy day, and I think really a highlight day for a lot of us. Um, anyone want to jump in with what they enjoyed about doing on Thursday? Oh my gosh, Thursday was Whoopi Day. That's right. Thursday was <laughs> Whoopi Day. Oh my god. So Whoopi Goldberg at her first ever Star Trek convention. Amazing. Um, she she tore the house down. I mean, it was a fantastic panel. She was great at reading the room. The energy was amazing. It was just absolutely wonderful. And then after the panel, we just happened to be, not, not even directly after, a few hours later, we all just happened to be standing in the hallway talking near uh, the mor- memorial wall they had set up for Anton Yelchin. And she comes out and picks up a pen and just starts signing the wall. We were there with maybe three or four other people around. So we were just happened to be a very select group of people who were able to witness such an icon pay tribute to another actor in the franchise. And it was a really lovely moment. There was no pomp and circumstance. She was not doing it in front of cameras, except for ours, because we were there. <laughs> it was really just her trying to pay her respects, and it was incredible. I don't think I'm ever going to see something like that again in my life. Her panel was so inspiring. I mean, just really funny and smart. But the thing that really made me so happy is I think that she so succinctly summed up what Star Trek means to us because they asked her, you know, why has Star Trek survived this long? And she was like, because it never gave up hope. And I just, I swear, I got chills. I was just like, that is exactly right. That is exactly why. And also just the way she would talk about how Star Trek helped her feel like she belonged in the future. And seeing a black woman in Uhura on the bridge helped her understand that science fiction is is not a place where she was unwelcome. And that made me so happy because it's so amazing the place that Star Trek holds in, in this sort of thing. I mean, you have Whoopi inspiring Nichelle, or Nichelle inspiring Whoopi, and then Whoopi inspiring other young black women and then you have Dr. Mae Jemison being inspired by Uhura as well. It's just it's like a cascading effect and it really just kind of highlighted to me the fact that representation does matter and you can see it. You can see the actual gifts we have gotten because of Star Trek and the way that they highlighted diversity. Absolutely. And um, Whoopi was really really funny too. Yeah, um, That's she, kind of her thing and she's still doing it well. <laughs> She made a lot of jokes about Q and how, you know, she and Q both could have destroyed the universe if they wanted to, but they probably had, like, a baby a couple of millennia ago. Um, That could have been Picard eventually. (laughs) Oh, man, there's a theory for you. Yeah, Kids, write the fanfic! I'm sure it exists. She was told by Gene Roddenberry that she would be someone who is incredibly old and wise that could be like the great, 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 great grandparent of anyone on the Enterprise. So um, she thought that maybe Picard was one of her great, 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 great grandchildren. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. And like you were saying, Andy, about, you know, the inspiring part of her being inspired by Uhura 
or Nichelle as Uhura, we also got to see she brought up three Gaiden cosplayers on stage with her, who it was clearly like one of the most meaningful moments that they had had, at least at this convention. And they talked about what she meant to them as women of color. And it was just like me and Sue were sitting next to each other, just like, ah, cheering <laughs> up for sure. I was still kind of, I was like, my fingers were crossed that Eliza Pearl. Uh, who has been on our show and does an amazing Gaiden cosplay. I was, like, waiting for her to show up, but sadly. But there, the, the cosplay that was there was amazing. They were very genuine and very... It was very cool to see them all interact. And then during the Nichelle panel... Oh, the Nichelle Who- panel. Whoopi came back, and it just is really touching, I think. The Nichelle panel was really lovely. It was more of a a tribute panel. She didn't tell a whole lot of stories. We did hear, you know, the standard ones of of how uh, she went out and helped in the space program. The one thing that she said that really stuck with me is that she went out and spoke anywhere that she could get a crowd of people who weren't being represented. And that was just really amazing. Um, But it was just full of fans, one after the other telling her what an inspiration she was and what she had done for them as individuals and as as members of of minority groups, whatever that minority group may be. And yeah, then Whoopi came out and, and basically reiterated those points, everything she said before, but directly to Nichelle. And it was just really, really beautiful and, and such something that we'll probably never see again. It was lovely. Yeah, I I feel like that was it was a really powerful day. There was just this real sense of optimism throughout that not just is our franchise surviving and thriving, but that our franchise is committed to diversity with the, you know, the way that we've seen uh, that it looks like the new show is going to go as well. So it was a really great day. And then the four of us wrapped it up by uh, appearing on the official Star Trek CBS podcast uh, Engage so with Jordan Hoffman, and that was super, super fun. He brought us beer. It was great. <laughs> yeah, um, he brought us Orion Syndicate beer, which is from the uh, Federation of Beer, and it has kind of this, like, Orion pinup girl on the front. So um, one of the things we started talking about was, like, first of all, like, what do you feel about the representation of women on this beer bottle? <laughs> um uh, for the record, I am a big fan of Federation of Beer. I particularly like their uh, Vulcan Ale, which was their first drink that they came out for. Uh, the There was an anniversary convention in the uh, town of Vulcan, Alberta. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like it was a, a really it was really fun to chat with Jordan and uh, we'll make sure that we share the link as well uh, for that podcast. Did we miss something for Thursday? I think I feel like we missed something. Um, one of the things that I got to do on Thursday that was really exciting was see my friend Jim Morehouse, who is also known as at Enterprise Extra and who apparently does not know Grace as anything other than Bone Crusher. I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> so, um, if you, ha- if you don't know who he is, um, he's very active on Twitter. One of the things he does is trekranks.com where he has a very, very thoughtful list of his rankings in which he's very wrong quite often, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We talked about it and we agreed that it's okay for him to be wrong sometimes. Um, and he had the lovely experience of being able to be an extra on Enterprise and he had a really cool panel where he basically just walked us through 
how much fun it was to just spend a day on the set of Star Trek and he, you know, got to fire phasers and it was like the highlight of his life, basically. And uh, it, just his passion and humor about it all was extremely fun. And he was one of the highlights of the con for me because he was one of my very, 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 very first followers when I started First Time Trek. So it's just an example of those types of people that you feel like you you know really well, but never actually get to like talk to you in person. So it was really fun to see him and his panel was very entertaining. And just for people who haven't been to the convention, or especially you weren't here this year, because there have been some changes. When we're talking about the different stages, there's basically three stages of this convention. There's the main stage, which is also called the Leonard Nimoy stage. That's generally where you have celebrities, the ma- the biggest celebrity panels. Then there's the secondary stage, which is the DeForest Kelly stage. And that's generally fan panels or, you know, uh, people like maybe a panel of writers or associate producers, not necessarily the biggest names in Star Trek, but still people with something significant to say. And then the new stage this year was the Roddenberry stage, which I actually thought was a really cool addition. I mean, they had a lot more people this year, so they, they needed an extra stage. But it was really nice to have an option of another place to go that was a bit more interactive instead of just having to watch different types of speakers. So the Roddenberry stage of this year, they had um, like three or four trivia things that you could go to daily. There was a cookie decorating contest. There was a description of and display of some amazing Star Trek cakes. There were these, I would say, like really entertaining, engaging talks. There was a podcaster summit today that Andy was on. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, generally, I it was cool. And that is was located in Cork's Bar. There was a bit of issues with the audio that there was really only a small area that could actually hear what was being said on stage. Stage, But overall, I think it was a really welcome addition to the convention. And then there's basically like the promenade, which is the area you can walk through and there's all kinds of photo ops like Borg Queen photo op, transporter room, giant Tribbles. Delta shield, Tribbles. We forgot to take a Tribble photo, you guys. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go jump to Friday. Uh, anyone want to talk about something that was cool on Friday? Um, well, it's not probably up there with seeing Michelle or Whoopi talk, but it was one of my favorite cosplays I saw this weekend. There was an Orion Slave Girl showgirl playing, t- uh, playing tribute to the fact that we're having this massive Star Trek convention which already pretty much has quirks of its own, and that we're doing it in Vegas, which is a pretty friggin' quirky city. And I thought it was just a really fun combination of the two, and she seemed to be having a great time with it. and It just made for some hilarious photo ops. The big guest on Friday was Kirstie Alley. I definitely felt like her panel, I guess it was a Q&A, it was interesting. I felt like she did really well. Um, like Whoopi, it was her first convention I would say her appearance was as moving or memorable necessarily, but she she spoke really from the heart about her experience being casted after having her parents be in this really catastrophic accident, what it was like working with Nicholas Meyer, what it was like working with Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, what it was like playing a Vulcan, and then answered a lot of questions from the audience in uh, a really, really nice way. So uh, I appreciated her appearance on stage. That was definitely... The, the major guest that was on Friday. I have to mention, we also had a uh, part one of Star Trek, the next generation, mm-hmm. which was uh, Gates, LeVar and Brent together, which um, that was my can't miss panel of the day. Not unsurprisingly, but uh, they're just so much fun. I, I've said it before. I'll say it forever. 
I love the TNG cast so much and I love that they love each other. And uh, there's just such a sense of, of family and relationship. And also all of that cast, uh, including, you know, who the, the group that spoke at another time, um, just absolutely positively speak their minds. And they are so forthright in their convictions about what Star Trek should be and where we need to be. You know, Brent Spiner even said the, the ideals that are in Star Trek are where we should, should be headed right now. And it's just, I love them so much. I can't say that enough. One of the highlights for Jara and I on Friday is we were able to be on Bridgemates, which is a game show that was built by Philip Gilfus of Earl Grey. And we got to play against Team Free Enterprise, which is Darren and Daniel from Earl Grey, and Team Lizard Babies, the ultimate champions, which are Char and Tristan from To the Journey, To the Journey. So that was really fun. We got to um to hang out with them and and have some fun playing you know, trivia. Jar and I knew some of the trivia without having to look it up on Memory Alpha. It was incredible. <laughs> Woo! We, we also got two out of three of the scenes, right, where they had uh, members of the audience come up and read dialogue from different episodes, and you had to name the episode, so that was pretty fun, and Grace guest acted in one of those. Me and Sue hit up a mission log panel in the secondary theater uh, featuring Rod Roddenberry, uh, the mission log podcast, of course, hosted by John Champion and Ken Ray. And it was about how Gene Roddenberry's vision uh, affected Star Trek in both good and sometimes limiting ways. So one of the limiting examples they talked about, just for example, was around the episode where Jeremy Astor's mom dies and Gene apparently felt that in, in the future, the amount, the level of perfection that society would have achieved would include that the kids wouldn't feel that grief over the loss of a parent. So they talked. It's a little fun. I mean, <laughs> the, where the children chili, whatever that horrible, horrible TOS episode is like, hey, yeah. So they had children of the corn of a future are we looking at here? <laughs> so they had an interesting discussion about that uh and then a lot of people coming up from the audience just to, you know, talk about uh, one of the most interesting discussions I thought was had was a member of the audience came up and talked about he used to be an original series snob and he just really looked down on people who preferred other series and over time and through listening to Mission Log, he realized that he was not only not really being welcoming to other people, but also depriving himself of enjoying new things. And that because Mission Log helped him see things in a new way, he was able to like go see Star Trek Beyond and really enjoy it. And uh, Rod and John and Ken, you know, talked about how it's so important, essential in our fandom to be able to have differences of opinion, to say, you know, I like something or I don't like something and have a discussion with someone about that rather than just assuming you, they're not even worth talking to because of that opinion. So it was, it was pretty cool. And uh, then later we had a meetup. So we had a women at warp meetup at the masquerade bar, which was super fun. They're all gray guys kept buying me James T. Kirk's, which got interesting. That's a drink. 
Can you guys describe that drink for our listeners? Gin. It's basically gin. Blue gin. Blue gin. <laughs> With a cherry in it. <laughs> It was it was intense. It was one um, of the signature <laughs> drinks of the con, along with the Raktagino, which was mostly Bailey's. But they also had more there than they had at some of the other bars. They had a Chaotica's Death Ray, which is what I was drinking, and that thing was good. Anyway, the Tranya wasn't bad either. We had a really great turnout for this meetup. Um, it was awesome to talk to a bunch of different fans. Uh, we had a lot of different age groups. We had a lot of uh, different types of people from all over the place. It was so much fun. We did some uh, show trivia and gave away some prizes. And yeah, it was it was great and went on much longer than we anticipated because we didn't want to leave. We were having such a great time seeing all of you fans who showed up. We want to thank you again for showing your support for us and for just giving us a great evening out. Even though I am a little sad that you guys couldn't name our cats. <laughs> just saying. For the record, our cats' names are Andy's cats are named Mary Cat and Jerry Cat. Jarrah's cats are named Odo and Sandwiches. Sue's cats are named Oswin and Lena. And Grace has a cat, Bronson. His full name is actually Charles Ripple, uh, Bronson Ripplemort III, Destroyer of Worlds. <laughs> Excellent. So the next time that we have a meetup and we have trivia, you have no excuses. Okay. <laughs> so Saturday was the day that was my main stage panel on women in Star Trek. So we kind of already covered that. Anything else that you folks want to talk about Saturday awesomeness? We did get a chance to talk to B. Joe Trimble after her panel, which was super fun. And one thing that I want to point out about her, besides the fact that she is one of the most fun people I've ever met in my life, she has bright pink hair, by the way, which is amazing, is that she pointed out, uh, I on my badge, I had a rainbow delta shield and a rainbow pin that says, oh my... And our I'll go with you, um, trans friendly lanyards. And she reached out and pulled my, my badge towards her. And she started telling us stories about how she would have to stand up for the LGBTQ community within the Star Trek community and how they got pushback on that. And she was just super excited to see like all of this open queer Trekkie swag everywhere. And she was just delightful. And I really thought that that was amazing and lovely to talk to her about that. Yeah, she had a really funny comment about one time when Facebook changed people's photos to rainbow flags. I'm assuming that was after the same-sex marriage victory. And she talked about how, you know, she couldn't really believe that Star Trek fans would push back against that and like clearly they weren't watching the right show and pew, pew. they didn't understand the show and then one of uh, my favorite parts was then she taught but you know then i discovered two uh, very helpful buttons the ban button and the block button <laughs> i uh, love that there's just this wonderful button you can press and you don't see anything from them ever again <laughs> yeah it was great. So, um, like I said, we actually did a more in-depth interview with Bijo and John today, uh, today Sunday. So we will be airing that as part of a future episode, which is part of a series we're trying to put together on the history of women in Star Trek fandom. I just want to touch really quickly um, and expand on what Andy mentioned about our lanyards that say, I'll go with you. This is a campaign that you can find on Facebook. And it is uh, growing and it's fantastic. They have lanyards and buttons. And the idea is if you... This is for essentially uh, cis fans or cis people to wear to show support to the trans, agender, gender, queer community that says, I will go with you if you feel uncomfortable going into a gendered space, such as a bathroom. So um, if, if someone who doesn't feel comfortable sees someone wearing a lanyard or a button, 
with uh, the trans flag colors and it says, I'll go with you, it means you're totally fine being approached and asked to accompany someone into that space to make them feel more comfortable and to back them up. And it's actually really cool. We've been wearing, we've all been wearing them all con and we've, we, I haven't been approached to actually take that action, but I did have a couple people stop me and say that they appreciated seeing that from fans. So uh, those buttons are available. Buttons and lanyards are available online. The easiest place to find this campaign is to look it up on Facebook and they're doing some really great work. I, uh, I'm, I'm prepared to do this, you know, at every con I go to. And I even bought a zipper pull that I wear on my purse every day because it is, I think, a really great thing for all of us to do. And that's all I have to say about that. Cool. So uh, a couple other quick things that happened on Saturday. Uh, Kate Mulgrew did another Q&A just by herself. That was pretty cool. There was a, a really adorable moment where she brought up a little girl named Esri on stage and sort of encouraged her to ask a question that she had felt too shy to say at the mic. And it was it was a pretty adorable moment. We also did an interview with Natalia Nogolich, who played Admiral Nechev on The Next Generation. So here's where we're going to share a little clip from that interview. Once I got on the set, I was completely confident about what my character wanted. She was determined. She was persevering. She was principled. She didn't back down. She was not going to take any lip from anybody. And um, that dynamic between Patrick and I really worked because when I came in, actually uh, some some of my fans were calling me the uh-oh admiral because when I came onto the set, it was like, uh-oh, some, somebody did something wrong or somebody's going to have to do something they don't want to do, which was often the case, you know, with Patrick and I had to give him, I mean, uh, Picard, I had to give him orders uh, to do something he didn't want to do, but um, pretty much I got my way. And I loved it. I mean, the whole concept that Roddenberry came up with, the vision of a world where it didn't matter if you were a, a woman, a man, a, you know, green or orange or big or small, that you could be treated like an individual and create your own identity as an individual uh, was a magnificent world to be a part of. Absolutely. So... Did you have a backstory thought up for Nechev at, at any point? Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of like her backstory in the novels, or I'm interested in your thoughts on what you thought her her background was coming in. Well, I I write a backstory for every character I play. I mean, I, I have tons of biographies of all the characters I play. Um, yeah, so I wrote a biography of Nechev, and I imagined that she came up through the ranks through hard work and uh, hard knocks, and I imagined that her arrival at Admiralty was not easy, and that perhaps she had come into a, a family of military and probably was one of those um, uh, daughters that followed her dad as footsteps in, uh, in his military experience. And then I had a lot of personal things that I create for the character, which I never share with anybody. In terms of the books, I do hear that there is quite a story uh, behind um, Necheyev and also quite a future uh, with Necheyev. I must get hold of these books and read them because I am dying of curiosity to know what where, how they see her going. Um, if she gets tougher or softer or what, I don't know. But I... I can't um, 
I can't say that I don't wish she had gone on longer in this series or started earlier so that I had had more episodes because I do think there would have been a relationship of some nature developed between Patrick uh, between Picard and Necheyev that might have led to some reconciliation in terms of what she wanted for the Federation and his part of running the Enterprise. You know, there was that was the conflict. You know, I, I my character was looking at the bigger whole picture, and um, it was you know I think it could have gotten very interesting. Uh, Sue has a question. Yeah. Based on that, what you're saying about the relationship with Patrick or with Picard, rather, it always felt like when I was watching the show, like the characters had some kind of history. Uh, I don't know if that would be a personal history or a professional history, but did you and Patrick Stewart ever talk about something like that, or did that just happen to come off in the way the characters were written? That's a very interesting question. I um, I did not imagine a, 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 a history um, between uh, Necheyev and Picard, except to the extent that it existed with my being his superior officer. But I think that what you probably detected was um, a mutual respect and rapport that Patrick Stewart and Natalia Nogolich had. We both came up through the th- uh, theater in our careers and had a lot of mutual um, respect for that. I also happened to be doing a play at the time at the Mark Taper Forum, and Patrick came to see it, and it turned out one of his old colleagues from the Royal Shakespeare Company, um, Juliet Stevenson, was in it. So he came to see her, and then we saw each other. And, I mean, he, we talked outside. You know, once they, they called cut, we would talk about our experiences as actors. And we had a really terrific rapport. And that's probably what you detected. And... Um, it's great when that happens because you can't protect, you can't fake that. And just like Picard had to have some kind of respect for Necheyev, whether he agreed with what she was asking him to do or not. And I think that Necheyev showed him respect when at one point I give him orders to move the Indians off the land. And it was obviously something he didn't want to do. And at, after Pressing him, I finally, the character finally says, if you're uncomfortable with this, I understand, and I'll get someone else to do it. And giving him that regard uh, had him respond with, no, that won't be necessary. And that kind of mutual um, uh, working things out, I think, was an indication that that could have gone on, and there could have been more understanding between, uh, you know, the, the Admiral and, and, and um, Picard. It was great fun working with him. He's an extraordinary actor and a wonderful human being. So um, it was it was one of the highlights of that period of time for me. Amazing. Do you have any ongoing projects or work that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yes, I am always an ongoing supporter of the military. I have uh, three main charities. I give to mainly the Wounded Warriors Project, and I have a can on my table at conventions and people donate as they wish and then at the end of the convention I write a check to the Wounded Warriors coming from the donations that I got from fans and then adding some of my own I also give to disabled veterans and blind veterans and when I had a theater company some years ago I did a big benefit for the Wounded Warriors and and that was very rewarding there are a lot of military that are fans of Star Trek for obvious reasons and through the years they have given me 
mementos in the form of challenge coins that that I have about 80 now. It started in 2003 when soldiers were getting ready to be deployed for the second Iraq war. It so happened that there were a lot of them that were at the convention in Pasadena before they were going to deploy, and I was so touched that they were getting ready to leave that I gave all photographs and autographs away free to the military that weekend. And later, as many of them came back, thank God, they presented me with these coins, which they get when they do a particular operation. And uh, I collect them with great reverence. Um, Other than that, I also have written a book, speaking of war, called One Woman's War, which uh, it's a historical fiction book. It deals with the um, wars in the 1990s in the Balkans, the civil wars, which are always the most gruesome wars, including our own United States civil war in the 19th century. And um, it's about a particular woman, strong woman, as you may imagine, who has to endure a horrific loss and come around to conquering her desire for revenge. And I have gotten so much feedback from uh, people who've read it, who've said, my God, that could be the Balkans, it could be almost anywhere in the world where we have now um, a lot of kind of um, desire to get back at. And it's not exactly the world we want to live in, but, but that's where we are. So I, I, my book, One Woman's War, is available on Amazon.com. I, of course, would like the world to read it. I'm working on the second book as well, but that's not quite ready to be published. The other thing I'm doing that's interesting is I'm directing a one-man show called A Bearing Witness, about written by a Vietnam veteran who is uh, performing in it. And it's about his story and how it connects with his father, who was uh, a doctor at Mauthausen, one of the camps in Austria, actually, and how... Um, the two wars differ and the connection between the father and son and it's a very healing uh, and I'm directing a healing theatrical piece I'm directing it to open in Orlando, Florida at um, the inauguration of um, Global Peace Initiative a new nonprofit that's opening down there and we're going to inaugurate the, the piece down there so I'm, I'm really thrilled I mean I guess everybody in the world's not going to be able to come to Orlando but that's something I'm working on that I love and then I continue to audition and do my acting gigs and uh, write and teach and direct <laughs> and do conventions, which which I love. And it's, it's really a pleasure to meet these four extraordinarily lovely and bright young women who are um, interested uh, in, in the stories of strong women. I'm very interested in that as well, and um, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for asking me. Well, thank you so much, Natalia Nogalich, for your time. We really loved having you on the show, and we're a huge fan, so uh, best of luck with the upcoming project. Thank you so much. All right, so anything else that you folks want to say about Saturday before we head on to today? Yeah, one really cool thing that happened towards the end of the day Saturday is that Michael Westmore took the stage and walked us through a live makeup application for a Borg. It was really super cool to see that happen and to to see what work went into it and some neat things he said about how he really trusted his makeup artists and that no two Borg were ever the same. He showed us a bunch of slideshows. He even said that this is, I think, the coolest fact that after attending Gene Roddenberry's funeral, he took home one of the flower centerpieces and then turned the base of that flower pot into one of the Borg eyes used on the show, which... 
is really neat and like kind of a weird tribute, but also kind of an awesome tribute. And he also talked about his time on Face Off on Sci-Fi mentoring uh, upcoming makeup artists and how much he enjoyed it. And you could just see how excited he was when he was talking about teaching, which was really super cool. So on Saturday, we also had a very brief chat with Nichelle Nichols. And of course, can't but not possible to overstate how amazing it is just to be in her presence. It was the end of the day, so we didn't get a chance to talk for very long. She was kind of tired, but we wanted to share this little excerpt from the conversation we did have. Hi, this is Michelle Nichols, and I'm very proud to be here to speak to you. I'm having a wonderful time here with Women at Warp, and I love the title. Thank um, you. I, I uh, want to be a... A, co- a complimentary member. <laughs> Absolutely. You are an honorary member. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, guaranteed. Right now, we're signing you in. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I'm having fun signing autographs for all the beautiful women that come up to me and, and are, are happy to, that, to see me here. And I'm happy to be here with you. On to Sunday, which was today. We woke, woke up. We did things. Tell people about them. We went to the buffet. (laughs) It was awesome. There was a breakfast buffet. We had breakfast dessert. It was awesome. Also, there was some more Star Trek stuff. (laughs) Yeah, today again, sort of like Wednesday was a little bit more low-key. A lot of people were heading home. A lot of the stars were already heading home. Uh, Today was the day to hit the vendors area Mm. to to (laughs) score your last-minute deals because... Vendors would rather sell you stuff than take it home with them. But yeah, Andy was on the podcast summit on the Roddenberry stage. And it was boss. You want to tell us about that, Andy? I guess I can tell you about that. So I was lucky enough to John Champion and Ken Ray of Mission Log decided to do a kind of podcasting summit to talk about the state of Trekkie podcasting and, you know, some of the challenges and great things that come from being a Trekkie podcaster. Uh, So we had a lot of really cool people on there, including Kayla Yacovino, who's um, writes for trekmovie.com and has a shuttle pod podcast who has been on our show who's one of our favorite guests and Terry Lynn Schull from GNT, Aaron Harvey from Saturday morning track, Lisa from Trek radio, Elijah Elijah from priority one and Bill from Trek geeks. So a lot of really cool people, and we just had a conversation, and it was really fun. We got to talk a lot about kind of what it's like to be a podcaster for Trek, and, you know, I love it, to be honest. I love being able to come in and and talk to these ladies about Star Trek all the time, Um, And but there are challenges, and there are obstacles sometimes, and it was really fun to have kind of an open conversation about that with so many dynamic people from so many awesome podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that happened, like Sue said, we didn't really go to a lot of the actual programming today. There wasn't really a ton going on. But uh, another thing that we did go to was the Shakespeare and Trek panel that was hosted by Amy Imhoff with Brooke Wilkins, who also did an amazing job running Garrick's Tailor Shop, which provided cosplay repair during the convention. So I, I really, really enjoyed this panel. It was uh, started out and they had surprise guests John Delancey and Robert Picardo come out and do some readings. And there was a sort of open discussion with people from the floor about favorite Trek quotes from 
Star Trek. So, you know, some scenes that came up again and again were like Picard's scene at the end of Menage Troy. There's uh, some scenes from The Conscience of the King. Of course, Star Trek VI. Uh, a lot of these came up and it, it was nice to be able to, you know, recall these memories of the great Shakespeare scenes in Star Trek. And then there was a really fun part where they said, you know, let's cast Hamlet with characters from Star Trek. And, you know, who's going to play Hamlet? And I remember someone from the audience yelled out, like, Wesley Crusher. And, <laughs> you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember who they ended up actually choosing. Would that make Jake Sisko and Ichib Golden, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? This was all, like, a hilarious conversation. And then there was a big conversation happening in the back channel on Twitter about, like, other people's picks. So, you know, I, I remember that there was a discussion about Ophelia and that it would be someone who would be stuck in a weird relationship. And I was like, oh, it would be Cass. I'm like, <laughs> um, so there was, this was part of the discussion I was having with folks in the back channel. And then, of course, because it's our podcast, I had to suggest in the back channel, you know, what about uh, we have Riker be Hamlet and then Pulaski and <laughs> Riker's dad can be Gertrude and Claudius. And then Jordan Hoffman from Engage was like, okay, can we work Barkley into this? So like, obviously, Barkley would be Horatio <laughs> protecting Troy and like thinking he can actually fight Riker. Uh, so it was, it was a really fun discussion though. Um, Amy and Brooke really did a, a fabulous job and just answering some, some really good Q and A from the audience as well. So it, it was a nice way to, uh, you know, go to something in the main stage on the last day. And still get to do the vendor's room and all that other jazz. So, yeah. Woo! And then we got tattoos. <laughs> and now here we are. And it's almost time for the Rat Pack. So we're, we're going to go to that. But uh, thanks for joining us for this special Star Trek Las Vegas edition of Women at Warp. And my name is Jara, and just want to remind you before we go about the Women at Warp Patreon, you can help support us doing this kind of reporting. We've also been, you know, taking photos and doing interviews and posting storifies and live tweeting throughout this convention, and that's thanks largely to our lovely Patreon support. You can help support that work at patreon.com slash women at warp. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash women at warp. Andy, where can people find you elsewhere on the internet? Easiest place to find me is Twitter at First Time Trek, where I'm live tweeting my first time through Star Trek. And Grace? You can find me on Twitter at Bonecrusher Jank, and for the next 12 hours, Margaritaville. And Sue? You can find me on Twitter at Speltor, that's S P A L T O R, or at anomalypodcast.com. And if you want to find me in person, you can do so at 50 Year Mission Cherry Hill at the end of August, or at DragonCon in Atlanta at the beginning of September. And Grace and Andy will also be at Geek Girl Con in October. And uh, again, I'm Jerry. You can find me on Twitter at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin or on Tumblr at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com. You can also contact our podcast itself at crew at womenatwarp.com. Or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at Women at Warp. Have a great night.